Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased, as always, that you are here with me today. I am thrilled. I have a very special show with a wonderful guest. I think you're really going to like him today. But first, of course, we have our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham to kick us off as we journey into a wonderful show today to sure to help to give you insights and uh, help you feel a little bit better even. All right, so let's get started. First, from the universe. If you know what you want, if you've made up your mind, if you can see it, feel it, and move toward it, in some small way, every single day, it has to happen. Hugs and kisses, the universe. Uh, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe, uh, reminding us that uh, when we desire something, uh, when we have put up absolutely no alternative than for this thing to show up, if we can see it and taste it and feel it and, and get the sensations and all that juicy stuff in there, and we're moving towards it, even in some little way every single day, it is bound to appear in our reality. It is just the law of the universe. When we leave no other choice before that manifestation to occur. When we, when we so embody and we line ourselves up and line up our energy and we just, we can, we can taste it. It's so close. It's going to come. One of the things the universe doesn't mention here though, is really getting to that point of detachment of when it's going to come because the universe has a very different timing than we do. And sometimes things don't quite show up when we think they're supposed to show up or when we want them to show up because maybe we're just not ready. Maybe all the components are just not quite lined up yet. So we really need to just let go of that need to like, oh, it's got to come this way tomorrow, wrapped in a pink bow and, and looking a certain way. Because maybe if it showed up that way, it wouldn't quite work out quite the way we want it to. But as long as we're embodying the feeling, as long as we're acting as if we already have it, then it almost doesn't even matter when it shows up. Then it's really more about us continually to happily go along our journey and enjoy the journey and not worry about that destination so much. All right. Great, great quote from the universe. Uh, and I think actually pretty good for, for what we're going to talk about today. And now let's see what Abraham has in store for us. You cannot look at that which you do not want and not join and perpetuate that vibration. Take your attention from that which is not in harmony with who you are and your now vibration will adjust to who you really are. And then you can uplift others. Abraham. So this is one of those kind of core message Abraham talks a lot about that I think is so important because it's so easy to get caught in that trap of focusing on the things we don't want, looking at what's around us or the situation we're in, and just continuing to complain about it and talk about how it's not good and, and really just you know, continue to feed that energy over and over and over again. And the challenge with that is, is the more we focus on what we don't want, the more we give our energy to what we don't want, the more we complain, the more we almost like magnify it with our words, the more it stays around the more we're giving our energy to it, so the more we're supporting it, so the very thing that we say we don't want, we're actually keeping around in our life. 
And what Abraham says here is when you take your attention away from that, when you focus on the things that really just make us feel good inside, uplift us, um, even if it's, yes, we can be in the middle of a pandemic, but if we can just find that golden ray, that silver lying, that one thing that just is, is that we can find good for ourselves in all of this, then we line up with who we really are. Then we can feel good. It's not about feeling good about the situation, but feeling good about this one thing, this aspect that just helps us so much that then we feel better, we embody a more uplifting energy, and then we can bring those around us with us. However, if we're so focused on, oh my God, this is so awful, and if we're so like, oh, this is terrible, this is so awful, I can't stand like not being able to go out and do the things I used to do, then all we do is bring our energy down, we, we, we disconnect ourselves with who we really are, and then we bring people around us down with us. Even if we don't say a thing, they can see it in the expression on our face. They can feel it with the emotions that we're feeling and that we're just naturally giving off. You know, we're so much more sensitive to, to what a person is embodying around us than we are the actual words that they're speaking. I mean, their tone of voice, their intonation, the energy behind it, it all gives a certain feeling that we know whether that person is really feeling good or not. We know, we can feel it in our bones uh, that it's not lining up with us. So even, and, and, and like with me and my wife, we go take a walk in Central Park at night whenever we can after having a long day and just walk among the trees. And we're lucky we're on the north end of the parks, so it's, it's, it's a much more woody than, than the southern tip. And, and you can kind of feel for even just a few minutes you're not in the city anymore. And I'm so grateful for those walks because they really help me to just... <sighs> breathe out and just relax for a day. And, and, and I focus on that. And it makes having to be inside my apartment all day long, working virtually, not being able to see people face to face, makes it just a little bit easier because that's what I'm choosing to focus on. So look, are we, do, we, do we end up in tough situations Absolutely. And, and, and this latest one is only one of a multitude of tough situations. But it's not about the external world. It's about what we choose to focus on, what we choose to line up with, what we choose to connect with. And then we can shift what's going on around us by shifting what's going on inside of us. Ooh, two, juicy, wonderful, amazing, and in alignment quotes of the day today, uh, a hope you like them. I hope they help. And uh, I think they're going to kind of relate to what we're going to talk about today. And so it now it is my pleasure to introduce to you Elliot Robertson, who is a spiritual growth coach, a certified happy for no reason workshop leader. Oh, I love that being happy for no reason. And author of Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. Elliot has written devotionals for Daily Word magazine and articles for Science of Mind oh, and Miracles magazine. He holds a master's degree in psychology, and it is my pleasure to welcome him to the Conscious Consultant Hour. How are you doing today, uh, Elliot? Wonderful. I just enjoyed the first few minutes of this show so much. And, um, you, you know, when I wrote Say Yes to Life, I was hoping it would be a magnifying glass to help people focus on the positive, to help people fall in love with who they are. So the Abraham Hicks quote resonates so much with the Say Yes to Life book that I wrote. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Every week I have on a, a different guest. We, you know, we talk about different topics, but somehow the quotes are always so in alignment. Um, 
So, so Elliot, I always like to start off with just a, like a little bit of background for our audience who may not be that familiar with you. And so, um, were you always so focused on positive stuff, on on, on sort of this, this spiritual side of life, or is this something that developed later on in life? Well, I've always been interested in the spiritual. Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, my mother gave me the book by Alan Watts, his autobiography. I don't remember anything about it except the title, and the title is In My Own Way. And that stuck with me because I feel like everyone should be or can be writing a uh, autobiography with that title. Uh, you know, it, it just made me realize that, my goodness, there are over 7 billion spiritualities or religions in the world. So I really am excited by the In My Own Way concept. But uh, so I have been spiritual in my life. In fact, in my 20s, I was reading Meister Eckhart's sermons. Not everybody does that. Oh, wow. uh, but he's, he's, he really resonates <laughs> with me. But to get to the main point, um, your question was, have I really always been so joyful or whatever? I have never, I have not always been con uh, in connection with that undercurrent of joy that we're born with. When I was a youth in my 20s, I lived in New York. And um, I was just going around looking at people at the outdoor cafes. And I was just jealous immediately when I saw people at cafes I couldn't afford with a bunch of friends. And I didn't have a whole lot of friends. The jealousy just showed up immediately. And that was the soup I was living in, jealousy and bitterness. I was constantly blaming God for being unfair, blaming life for being unfair. It just every 24-7, it was the soup I was swimming in. So um, sure. the last couple of years, I've been waking up with joy, and it's just been a, a sea change. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Great. Great. Okay. Good. So let's let's save that for the moment because I'm going to ask you a little bit about when we come back from this break about you know uh, what happened in the last couple of years and kind of what got you to look more and, and create your book Say Yes to Life, which is a great title, and then we'll get into the main topic of the day, which is about inner harmony. Okay. Wonderful. All right, and uh, quick shout out. I see our loyal listener. Patty, uh, tuning in on the Facebook Live from Tucson, Arizona. Great to have you with us again, Patty. And I see Shell with us from Ohio, a new listener. Oh, I haven't seen you with us before, Shell. Welcome to the show. And I just want to remind everybody that, you know, while you're listening to the show, if you're listening to the Facebook Live, if you post your questions or comments there, I'll make sure to get to them and to ask Elliot, and, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. Um, and also, I just want to make a quick announcement because I'm very, very thrilled that I'm actually going to be joining Elliot as an author, um, not literally joining him, but I'm going to be joining the League of People with Books. I, I'm uh, getting ready to start the, my campaign for my first book called Everyday Awakening. We have our launch date, which is November 17th of 2020. Um, and so look for announcements, sign up for the newsletter on uh, my website on, on talkradio.nyc. You'll, you'll see announcements there. Um, but uh, I'm really thrilled. I've been getting a lot of very positive feedback about it. And uh, uh, I'll be talking about it more as we get close to that date. But I just want to let you all know you are like the first to hear about it. So you see, that's what you get to the show. All right. So we're going to take this quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Elliot Robertson, um, author of the book, uh, uh, Say Yes to Life. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after these messages. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live, <clears throat> all over the place. So you just got to look for the Conscious Consultant Hour. And also, you know, we're on all the podcasting apps. I mean, if anyone listening and, and you're used to using Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, sort of Conscious Consultant Hour, I'm all over the place. So we're talking today with Elliot Robertson, a, a spiritual growth coach and author of the book, Say Yes to Life. 
And so how like you weren't always so happy and joyful that actually you you have like most people you you did have sort of that struggle and you saw what you did have. Um, and, and you saw other people had it, even have it if you wanted, and that, you know, didn't feel so good. And so I'm just curious, like, what really helped you to kind of get over that hump or sort of transition you from somebody who felt that way to someone who would write a book like Say Yes to Life um, and, and be more in alignment and more joyful and more connected to those more supportive feelings? I'm so sorry to disappoint you because the thing for me in my life experiences, I really have trouble putting a finger on a specific moment or the journey for me has been a very gradual journey. I can say that um, uh, no, okay. I, I, I certainly do know that um, one of the things that was so central to the turnaround, and I think this might be fairly universal. In fact, it's also one of the keys in my book to living fallout from within. I have seven keys in the book. Uh, so one of the keys mm-hmm. that, that was so central and pivotal for me was just um, taking ownership of my life and stop blaming. For all the time that I was bitter, I was constantly saying life is unfair. I was just blaming anyone and everyone. My father didn't deserve any blame, but I would blame him sometimes. Uh, and then finally, there I guess there came a moment. I, I, there was a moment when I uh, did notice that I'm not going to be able to fulfill my dreams. I always had dreams of being of service to people. And I was always saying, God, this is unfair. I don't have any money to invest in doing what I want to do to serve people. And um, finally, I got it that um, unless I stop blaming, I'm not going to make any progress. It's just going to stay uh, like it is. So that was one of the keys for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the principles that when when I'm coaching people and working with people that I I – it's usually one of the, the fundamental principles that I bring forward. And it's one of those things that people initially usually have a hard time with. But once they can really get their mind and their hearts around it, that, that it really is so uh, empowering. And that is that we are 100% responsible for our life. All the good stuff, all the bad stuff, it's all on us. And, you know, we're so used to playing a victim and blaming another person and saying, oh, no, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault, they did this to me, they did that to me. And and we forget that we have the power to choose how we respond to something. Now, look, I'm not trying to minimize trauma. I'm not trying to minimize, you know, challenges that, that we come across. But if you look around and you study people and, you know, you're a, a, a psychologist, so or you have a degree in psychology and you know, like if you look, different people will respond to different situations differently. And, and it, and even if the majority of people respond one way to a challenge, even if there were just a few people who responded a different way, a more positive way, it, it, it's a map for us. It's a guide for us to show us that, Hey, we don't have to get caught in that trap. And I just remembered it's a story and I don't remember all the details. The details aren't really that important. But I, but I remember Tony Robbins said at one of his seminars about this guy who was in a motorcycle accident and and uh, uh, got like burns on his face, and then he was in a plane crash and he was in the hospital and he lost and, and he was um, lost the use of his legs, but he was still always so positive and so cheerful, and he would say to his friends, "Hey, you see that beautiful nurse." By the end of the week, I'm going to have a date with her. And not only did he have a date with her, he ended up marrying her. And I think he ran for governor of the state he was in and he became super successful. And this man had so many tragedies that happened to him. He had so much that happened to him. But because he chose to respond a different way to it, he had a completely different life. And so I'm curious with how, I mean, you've been working with people for years, I assume, um, and, and you have your own experiences. Do you find that like you know at that point when you switched from sort of stopping to blame other people to kind of taking that responsibility that then you were able to sort of choose a a better way of responding to situations in life i love that story and thank you for that nice question you know what i'd like to think of sometimes is that whenever we're walking down the path to life we always encounter a lot of forks in the road 
uh, you know, there's the moments when we can choose to go on one path or the, another path. The thing is, is that I feel like in my uh, youth, when I was constantly jealous and bitter, I'm not so sure I was aware of those forks in the road. I don't know if I saw the other path. So I just kept sticking with the only thing that I was aware of, which was um, I was right about the way the world was. The way, the way the world was, it was unfair. And I was just really in that quicksand. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's so easy, right? You, it's so easy to believe, like, I'm right, everyone else is wrong. Um, and then I, you know, a number of years ago, I heard the expression, it's like, you can be right or you can be happy. Choose which one you want to be. And I said, you know what? I don't have to be right. I want to be happy. It's more important is, to me to be happy than to be right. And it's a much more fun way to live. Absolutely. Huh? This, we're talking about the foundation here. It, it really does start with this. Right. And this is the first key in my book. All of the other keys are standalone. They could have been sort of random, the order of keys two through seven. It could have been in any order. But this one had to be the first key. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and just uh, curiosity, what was the motivation for writing the book? Was there something that just kind of spurred you on, or did it just kind of feel like the next natural step for you? I had just finished um, a book called The Servant's Way, which is not published yet. And um, I just oh. always, yeah, and I'm always just, uh, so my habit of going to the cafe every morning and working on The Servant's Way had come to a close. But I continued the habit of going to a cafe every morning and opening my book and seeing what wanted to be written. I found myself writing just one random thing that started with Say Yes to God and a paragraph or two about that. The initial title of the book was Say Yes to God, and then I changed the title to Say Yes to Life. I feel like they're fairly synonymous. Uh, but it was just mm -hmm. a matter of, um, because I was showing up at the cafe every day and just writing whatever wanted to flow through me, I got bits and pieces. And eventually, as more and more showed up, the seven different topics, became evident and I was able to cobble together an outline and go from there. Mm, mm, gotcha. Gotcha. So it's interesting. So you actually had another book written that isn't published yet and this one got written afterwards which got published beforehand. Um, I, right. I'm curious, how many books do you, have you published? This is the only book I've published because I published it uh, through a self-publisher. The other book um, uh, I really want to be published by a traditional house so that's why it's in reverse order <laughs> gotcha no problem i understand that completely and and you know the whole idea of of being in service and now i'm like really big into this idea of servant leadership that actually some of the the best leaders i see around are the people who embody this idea of being in service as a leader so it's it's definitely a, a timely message so i hope you get that published soon i'll be back on when you get that one published thank you um uh, okay, so let's kind of move on to sort of our main topic of the day, which is inner harmony. And, and I think it's a very timely topic, especially considering it's, for a lot of people, inner harmony is a little bit of a challenge right now because we're dealing with this pandemic and, and with a really a situation that we haven't seen in generations that we really don't have a context for in the modern world of like how to deal with this kind of situation. So I imagine that in, in speaking to people and, and talking to people that, that this must be a, a big challenge that you see out there. Absolutely. I feel like this may in fact be the biggest challenge for the human race uh, ever, certainly in my lifetime. And, uh, and, and also for individuals, it is, has been rough sledding for sure. Uh, so what I like to do is to focus on the pillars of the harmony, inner harmony house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just saying, oh, I want to have more inner harmony and trying to just get it through meditation only. Meditation is important. But right. there's also um, some pillars that we can do in our daily lives that we can uh, focus on and attend to. And if we can strengthen those inner pillars, such as the pillar of compassion, mm -hmm. uh, such as the pillar of integrity, those are two of the pillars in the House of Harmony. When we strengthen those pillars, then we're more likely to experience harmony. It will, it will show up and we'll be anchored in inner harmony. 
Right, right. And I love that like compassion is, is the first one because we need to have compassion, not just for others, but first for ourselves, right? Yes, for both is important. Um, you know, I think of my father uh, and my brother back when I was uh, 13 years old and my brother was 14. Uh, my father would sometimes get frustrated at my brother, like if my father was helping him with math work, math homework, um, and my brother was not able to do basic arithmetic because he had learning disabilities. Uh, uh, my father would get really frustrated, and I think it was because he had expectations uh, that, you know, that he would be able to at least have basic jobs where he uh, could count the change in a grocery store or whatever. Uh, so the, he really did have a very abrasive tone when he was helping, and I wish that he could have made that small pivot to just setting those expectations aside and making uh, listening and understanding where Eric was be the first priority. When we seek to fir understand first, like Stephen Covey says in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, when we make that the first thing we do, as opposed to layering our projections and expectations and our how you should be right. on people. Whenever, you're, whenever you've got an expectation, you're really saying how you should be, and that means you're going to be judging the person and they're going to let you down. There's no two ways around it. Uh, so whenever you've got that going on, that's going to block the compassion. It's going to prevent you from being able to go into your heart, to see with your heart's eyes. And it's going to, uh, but what encourages you to go into your heart, what really brings you into watching somebody from your heart's eyes where you have the compassion is when you start with seeking to understand instead of being understood, just right. seeking to understand what is going on for you and how can I be there for you? Right, right. And, and merely by asking that question, you can bring a little more awareness to that situation, right? As you said before, it's like we have these challenges and, and we're not even aware of what we're doing. So then once we start to ask some questions and we look a little bit more internally, then we start to bring a little more awareness to the situation. Then it's possible to see things and shift things a little bit more. That's right. Awesome. All right. So it's time for us to take another quick break. Um, when we come back, uh, let's continue this talk on inner harmony and just like curious about like what you're seeing with people you're talking with lately and what has been their challenges within their harmony and hopefully maybe our audience can relate to some of that and then what are you know like what kind of advice you give them and what kinds of uh, practices can actually help people to achieve inner harmony while we're in the middle of this very challenging time okay thank you all right, great. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. We're speaking this hour with Elliot Robertson, uh, author of the book, Say Yes to Life, and we will be right back after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking with Elliot Robertson, author of the book, Say Yes to Life. Quick shout out, I see loyal listener William on the Facebook Live. Yes, hi, William. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Patty, uh, for your, your uh, support on the live. Um, so we're talking about inner harmony. And, and so I was curious, Elliot, in, in, in working with people, talking to people, like what are the big challenges around inner harmony like today in today's situation with what's going on now? You know, I think you actually already um, brought that up earlier. Maybe during the first few minutes of the show, you were noticing that we do often fall into the trap of looking at the outer world and seeing what we don't like about it. We just, what we do is we go around and we say, I want things to be like this, not like that. And just we just get constantly stuck in that rut sometimes. It just becomes like a broken record. We're just constantly noticing, oh, please, like resisting what the way it is and trying to tug things in a different direction or, or just saying, I wish I could wave a magic wand and make things different, you know, going down that kind of thinking. Uh, so that 
is something that uh, a lot of people are experiencing. They're just sort of stuck in that. And um, so one of the keys to uh, getting out of that stuck position is um, allowing yourself to, um, to really just notice the gifts that are within you. I really am hoping that people who look at Say Yes to Life, and whenever anyone works with me as a client, I'm always hoping that they'll discover more gifts within them or that they'll stop downplaying their inner gifts and start treasuring them and noticing how glorious they are. I know that for years I was sort of aware that I had some gifts, but I think I sort of held them dimly. I didn't really um, name them and claim them and notice how bright and brilliant and genius they were. So I'm all about um, focusing on the positive. Julian of Norwich says, please dwell in the positive and glance at the shadow, glance at the negative. We've got to be aware of it. And we've got to do our shadow work. But she wants us to dwell in the positive. So when we look at our gifts and when we um, really honor them and just allow ourselves to say, yes, I am capable of being a wonderful mother, a wonderful cook, a wonderful whatever, doesn't matter what. If you just notice what your true heart's desire is and the, the gift that your heart brings with you into this world, that is such a tremendous way to um, refocus yourself uh, from the complaining into um, preparing the way to fall in love with yourself. That's really a first step in the direction of falling in love with who you are and celebrating yourself and saying yes to life. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and it sounds like um, you're really uh, talking also about like self-acceptance. It's almost like you need to accept yourself and accept your uh, uh, uh your gifts, your, your talents, your challenges, you need to really accept that. And, and then you can, uh, um, uh, you know, honor yourself in a way, because if you don't honor yourself, how can you accept what you, you need to do and what, you can, what the gift is that you have here for people? Absolutely. And I could have named the book, Say Yes to Who You Are. You know, uh -huh. accept your, it's, it really is. One of the keys in the book is say yes to your uniqueness. And, you know, I don't just uh, talk about saying yes to your human uniqueness, which, which is wonderful to do. You know, if you have a unique sense of humor, yes, say yes to that. Or if you are really um, wonderful at the art of conversation, not everybody is, that might be your unique quality. Say yes to that. And then also I encourage people to say yes to um, the unique soul print within them. In a way, it's true that we all have light within us and love within us. So there's something very universal about the love and light within us. There is that universal level. And then I also feel like we all have uh, in the realm of the divine, in the realm of light and love, a unique soul print, mm -hmm. a unique heart print. Uh, so we really need to discern what that is, just notice how we are unique and celebrate that as well. Right, right. And just because we're different from other people and just because maybe our particular talent may not be one that, you know, you usually make a lot of money at, like you may be a great um, musician or artist, but, you know, you're not, you're not really making a lot of money from it, does not mean that that's not something to really embrace and honor and, and, and accept that, like, hey, I'm a great artist. I may not make a lot of money, but I really, I love my art. People love listening to me. I love doing what I'm doing. And I'm just using art as an example. It could be anything. Maybe you're a good listener. You're a good friend. You're good at relationships. But you're, you know, you're working at some corporation and <laughs> they don't care about your relationship. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not about the external validation. It's about the internal validation. Absolutely. I love the point you're making. And, you know, if you, let's say you decide to um, go ahead and honor your uh, love for um, weaving, for example, and so you get a loom and you start doing all of that or, or maybe knitting or whatever, um, 
and then you find that you're getting better and or at any rate you're giving yourself an outlet you're honoring your love for it whether or not you're doing a good job or not uh that is um you're giving yourself an example of uh, treating your, yourself with dignity and respect respecting your heart's desire to do something like weaving a lot of these um things that i think come up for us that we sometimes say, well, maybe later after I get retired or something. A lot of them are hearts, yeah. are hearts speaking to us, our hearts desires, and they really need to be honored. We really need to be listening to our hearts and allowing our hearts to have space in our life. And I really feel like when we do that in one area, just the weaving or whatever, we get some momentum going for honoring all of us in all areas. We begin to just start, um, it'll, it'll snowball. So uh, that's a wonderful suggestion that you're uh, bringing forward to just get moving in the right direction and allow the snowballing to take place and the momentum to grow. Right, absolutely. And if you love something, even if in the beginning you're not that good at it, I mean, look, none of us are good at anything when we first try it, right? There's always that kind of awkward phase. But if you really love something and you keep putting your energy into it and you keep putting your time into it, over time you'll see progress. And then over progress you'll see you can actually get better. I mean, I remember when I was in college, I, I took uh, some drawing classes, not because I was a great artist. I was a lousy artist. But I just remember in high school there, there were some, the, the, some girls who were just really good at, at drawing, and I couldn't draw a straight line, and I was always so jealous, and I was like, well, let me learn a little bit about it. And so from the beginning of the semester till the end of the semester, I could not believe the progress that I had made from practicing. Now, was I a great artist then? Absolutely not. I mean, can I draw well today? No, I, I haven't drawn in years. But... It, it's just the fact that I was able to see the progress and the change like that made me feel good because I just put the time into it. So it doesn't matter where you're starting and where you're at. It's where do you want to go? And just by putting that time in, you can really see the change and the difference, right? Yes, I totally appreciate that. What you're talking about is creating a win for yourself. And I love to help people create wins. I have a workshop that I've designed that is all about, um, it's for people who may have tried to become vegetarian and thrown in the towel. People just try, try to dive into the pool of becoming vegetarian overnight. And then their frustrations and traps that they encounter. And they just say, oh, it's too difficult. And then that's the end of it. My approach is to bring them to a plateau, not to the mountaintop of vegetarian, but to emphasize vegetables a little bit and have two vegetable meals a week, two vegetarian meals a week uh, for a couple of months. And after you get confident over the course of two months, proving to yourself that you're capable of cooking vegetarian meals, and you, it just becomes so much easier and easier and easier. After two months, my graduates can either go on if, to, if they want to, to more meals a week or to entirely vegetarian, or they can just stay at that level, whatever they want to do. Uh, but basically, you know, I just know about all the traps that are in the lay of the land. So I can tell them, you know, you've got to plan your recipe before you go shop, you know, go shopping and stuff like that, that right. really makes it an easy, effortless transition. And that, right. and the reason I love the course is because by the end of two weeks, they have created a win for themselves. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. They have I a reference that. point. Yeah, it's an I can. And that I can can spill over, perhaps. If they want that energy to spill over, it might be able to in other areas. Right, exactly. So you're talking about being able to help people to move forward with their diet and their health through vegetarianism, you know, kind of a step at a time, not going from zero to 100, which I totally love. I'm a big believer in baby steps. Um, but it's the same principle is at work with like anything that we want to change in life. Like, you, you know, I, like I remember I, uh, many years ago on one of the other shows on the network, it was a health and fitness show. And the guy had a, a marathon runner on his show and the guy started off being a marathon and he'd like run like marathons all around the world, all these humongous, really long marathons. But how did he get started? One day <laughs> he just started running to the end of the block and back to his house, running to the end of the block and back to his house. And then he'd run a little bit further, you know, to the next uh, telephone pole and back and the next telephone pole and back. And then he'd run around the block 
and he would just little by little by little would keep running a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And, you know, yeah, it took a while, but like within like two or three or four years, he started running marathons and then he started running like even bigger marathons, longer marathons. He didn't start out that way. He just started out running to the end of the block and back to his house. So just that little bit of effort, eventually, if you do it consistently, can lead to huge changes. So I, I love that approach. Yeah, okay, it's time for Yes, consistency is very important. Okay, so it's time for us to take our last break. And so when we come back, um, let's talk about a little bit more about what are some things that uh, people today who who maybe, you know, don't feel quite centered and don't feel quite connected to their inner harmony, you know, uh, what else they can do to really uh, help themselves to feel better where they are today so that they can show up better because now is this you know we're here in new york and in other states the quarantine's going crazy but that that each day as things get a little longer and a little bit you know tougher that they can show up a little bit better okay beautiful all right wonderful so everybody please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity and we'll be right back after this And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. And we're talking, we've been speaking this hour with Elliot Robertson, author of the book, Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. You know, Elliot, it was interesting. I, I reconnected with an old friend this weekend who, who were very good friends. It's been a couple of years since we've seen each other. And she said to me, uh, you know, uh, and she's a, a meditator. She does TM meditation every day. She's been doing it religiously for the last couple of years, more than that, for probably the last four years. Um, and she said, you know, Sam, for people like you and me, uh, during this pandemic, we're able to go within um, and, and, and we can kind of get through this crazy situation. But for a lot of people, they don't know how to go within and all they are is like external. And so they, they have a hard time dealing with something where they can't go outside that much and they're not able to get together with friends as much. And I thought that was a really interesting observation. And so, um, I'm just wondering, like when it comes to inner harmony, like what kinds of tools can people use um, besides meditation, um, because all my listeners know I'm a big believer in meditation, um, to, to help to cultivate that feeling of inner harmony? Uh, you know, my focus when I'm working with clients is not on meditating. Um, you know, I encourage that. But my expertise is looking at other things that can influence it, uh, such as your integrity. Earlier we were talking about um integrity being one of the columns yeah. of the house of inner harmony. And you could also think of inner harmony as a tree and it gets fertilized by integrity and self-trust. Those two go hand in hand. And also it gets fertilized by compassion. And then when that inner harmony tree is healthy, what ends up happening is it gives, it bears some fruit. Uh, one of the fruits is really true contentment. You're not going to find contentment by chasing happiness, uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle had somebody asking him recently, I've been looking for happiness for 20 years, and I imagine somebody looking into the couch and in the cupboard, and uh, anyway, Eckhart was like, stop looking, and he was totally right, he's always right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's a byproduct of of inner harmony, when you're really anchored deeply in peace, then the happiness just shows up on its own. The other thing that shows up on its own is unshakability. If you're going to be invincible, the prerequisite is inner harmony. If you want to be unshakable and untouchable and be able to be in the eye of the storm. So uh, I was just saying that integrity is one of the key pathways to getting there. And I'm going to sound a little bit like a school teacher, and I don't want to. 
because I believe in just doing whatever your heart says to do. I don't believe in just mm. following things because you should do something to be a good boy or a good girl. Good. Uh, but but I'm going to talk about integrity, and sometimes it comes off that way, even if that's even though that's not what I mean at all. Um, one of the things that we need to look out for is: Are we talking about people behind their back? Are we going to the water cooler and gossiping? Is that a pattern? Is that a habit? If we're doing that, then we're consistently taking money out of the integrity bank account and out of the self-trust bank account too. Uh, when we're in integrity, we can, and when we're really just um, doing things like being kind, as opposed to um, gossiping or telling little lies that you think are harmless, and maybe they are, but somewhere in you, the integrity barometer hears the little lie, mm. and it it takes money out of the self-trust bank account. And now I don't mean to make, I, I, I just imagine that so many of you are listening to this and you're cringing and you're going into guilt and you're saying, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is exactly what I do. And I, please, please, the guilt's optional. The guilt right. is totally optional. I'm just saying this to point you and uh, to, to make you notice, you no, know, let's just put on the table where you are right now. Right. Take a look at it. And with complete neutrality, say, hmm, maybe I'd like to make another um, move in another direction. Maybe I'd like to cut back on the things that are interfering with me having that deep inner peace that comes when there's integrity and self-trust. It's sort of autom the peace automatically comes if you've got that solid self-trust there and solid integrity. And if you're really shooting for compassion again and again, then the inner harmony comes and along with it, the unshakability. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like, if I'm hearing you properly, it's by practicing uh, uh, integrity and, and moving in that direction, we're actually giving ourselves more reasons to trust ourselves so that the self-trust actually naturally develops. That we, we build up this integrity muscle, right? It's like anything else, you gotta go to the gym, you build up the muscle, it takes time. Um, and as we do it, we're actually giving a signal to our, our, our brains, our bodies, our nervous system, our souls that, hey, see, I actually made a choice to be in integrity this time. I do have a reason to trust myself and I can actually be more compassionate with myself now. Right. And it's not just about avoiding things that are unhelpful, you know, that get in the way like gossiping. It's not just about avoiding the bad things. It's also about doing the good things. Uh, I have a friend who was at, um, this is right at the start of the COVID uh, thing that was going on. She was at a grocery store with a shopping cart and somebody was taking lots and lots of peanut butter uh, from shelf. And she just waited um, patiently and then there wasn't much left. And so she decided to just take um, only just allow herself to take two from the few that were remaining. And um, she, and then after she did that, she just took the cart down the aisle some more. And all of a sudden she was just overcome with this really good feeling of, um, you know, that she knew she had done the right thing. Mm. And yeah, it just was sort of um, a way of doing Aikido on the ego, a way of sidestepping the ego. And it gave her a reference point to look back on. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, because to me it was so crazy that you know the, the 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 shelves were like empty of toilet paper at the beginning of all this. Like, what you think they're going to stop making toilet paper? And uh, I remember we we could we we had toilet paper. We didn't have a lot, and it's just me and my wife. We don't need need a huge amount. But uh, we found one store near our office that had toilet paper, and so you know we we bought. Uh, uh, you know, they had these like big packages. So we bought one big package, one small package. That was it. And it was more than enough to last us. And we didn't need to go back for toilet paper again. But it was just so funny for like three months. You know, you look and toilet paper was so scarce. And it was like, why is it really necessary? And just by asking that question and being a little bit more conscious about how we show up, then we can be integrity with ourselves. And it's also, in a way, an act of trust, right? It's trusting that, you know, look, things are still going to be there tomorrow. I'm still going to have what I need. I don't need to hoard stuff. 
and that makes us feel good, right? It's like hoarding actually doesn't make us feel good. Hoarding actually like blocks up the energy and 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 like doesn't feel so good, does it? That's right. And another possible thing to do is just pay for the coffee for the person behind you. You'll just feel so good about yourself. You know, there is another aspect to another uh, river that flows into uh, integrity and feeds it. And uh, I'd like to just say a few words about it very briefly. When I was in my youth, sure. I, I was sort of like, you know, those baby elephants in the circus get chained, to, uh, there's a stake in the ground, the chain that connects them, and they can only move 10 uh, feet in dia- their diameter. And so they learn that that's right. whenever there's a chain connected to them, that's all they can do. They grow up and become powerful elephants. But they've already learned that that's their limit. You know, from their childhood, they learned that they can only move a small circle, 10 feet in diameter. So they, when they're adults, they could yank that stake out of the ground very easily, but they don't. They stay within yeah. that. Uh, in my youth, I was um, always having these limited beliefs about what was possible. And so I was sort of like the elephant. And what was so key uh, for me, um, for helping me to see the gifts within me and to acknowledge that they are so magnificent and glorious and that I'm so capable of doing so much, uh, more than I can imagine. And and you too, every one of you can do more than you've ever dreamed of. Uh, I'd love bringing the imagination beyond the comfort zone, beyond that small circle, and just allow yourself to have wild dreams in your imagination and know that they're true that they can be true. Um, so anyway, what allowed me to move out of that small circle was, um, I'm drawing, a, oh, that's right. The importance of confession and repentance. I know those are old language words, and sometimes I use old language. Uh, the importance of turning around, in other words, and admitting to yourself what your limiting beliefs are. That's what confession is. It's admitting, oh my goodness, I have been stopping myself. This is how I've been keeping myself confined. I have been not taking the stake out of the ground, but I've been playing small. So that's what I mean by confession and repentance. And then making a commitment, noticing, oh, I could go another direction. St. Catherine said heaven is not a place, it's a direction. And hell is not a place, it's a direction. I've spent a lot of time moving in the direction of hell. And I've also spent some time moving in the direction of heaven. And that means I'm in heaven when I'm moving in that direction. All right, wonderful. Well, we're going to have to leave it there, Elliot. We're out of time. Real quickly, if people want to find out more about you, get in touch with you. Uh, what's your website? Where can people find more information? Sure, sure. You go to www.sayyestolifebook.com. And when you get there, you can click on a link that will take you to my website. And you can find out about my coaching at my website. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elliot. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, I see Patty Loyal listener posting and William, thank you for guys for, for coming on and, and uh, engaging with us on Facebook. Um, we're out of time. I have to go. Please stay tuned. Coming up next on talkradio.nyc, it's uh, Ken Foster and his show Voices of Courage. And uh, we will talk to you next week.